Welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Donald Cutler, the West Coast voice of the podcast. A story comes to mind whenever I find myself talking about batteries. My son, who was at the time about 18 months old, got in trouble at daycare for grabbing at a ball. Upon requesting his release from timeout, his loving daycare provider asked if his listening ears were on. He said yes, but batteries not working. Batteries are everywhere because we need energy everywhere. So much so that even a toddler looking to get out of trouble knows all about them. Joining me today is Haresh Kamath, a senior program manager who works in energy storage and distributed energy resources here at EPRI. Haresh has been with EPRI since 2002, supporting research and development of energy storage, electric vehicles, grid transformation, and more. Energy storage is key to enabling continued carbon reduction in the electric power sector through renewable integration, but it provides so many more solutions beyond keeping the lights on when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. We're going to talk to Haresh about these issues, batteries, energy storage, and what these tools can do for the grid, and so much more. So uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much, Don. So let's start with an easy one. Um, can you give us the big picture of where we stand now in uh, the energy storage space? Sure. Uh, you know, and then energy storage has made uh, a lot of uh, progress in the last uh, 20 or 30 years. A lot of it is simply because batteries have become ubiquitous, even in, uh, as, as you just said, uh, in, in our daily lives. Uh, it's hard to imagine now, but before about 30 years ago, there were plenty of people out there who didn't really have to deal with batteries on a daily basis. You didn't have to uh, recharge things or uh, use your mobile de devices because you didn't have any. Yeah. But uh, today, you know, we've got cell phones, we've got laptops, we've got uh, our watches, we've got uh, our, our, our little Bluetooth headsets. Uh, we've got so many different things that we charge every day uh, and carry around. Uh, and that's just kind of an a example of what uh, stored energy can do. On the grid, uh, we're using stored energy as well uh, to shift uh, energy in time. Uh, it, that wasn't such a big deal, uh, again, 30 years ago, because uh, we had a lot of control over our generation systems. Today, we're using more renewable energy uh, than we ever were before. Uh, and so it's really helpful to be able to shift energy away, as you said earlier, uh, from when, for example, charging the batteries when the sun's shining, and then uh, discharging the batteries when uh, uh, the sun's not shining so that people have power all the time. That's a, a really interesting concept, shifting uh, energy over time and thinking about it more as a continuum as opposed to you know charging up and pulling away, thinking about it in, in concepts of time. Can you talk a little bit more about about that a little bit? Certainly. Uh, I think I think that uh, that's the way I usually think about energy storage. So we have a transmission and distribution grid that moves energy through space. Uh, and now with energy storage, we have a, uh, a system that actually moves energy through time. So rather than using the energy right when it's generated, for example, at noontime, you can use that energy at nine o'clock at night. Uh, just by storing it in a battery and using it somewhere else. Uh, or it, it, so basically energy storage is, is something that puts that energy when you want it, where you want it. Uh, and so that's why uh, batteries are so important. For example, in your cell phone, you charge it at night, you use it during the daytime, uh, it shifts that energy in time and space. Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, that, that's the capabilities of energy storage in a nutshell. That's really, really interesting. And speaking of kind of these breakthroughs and, and, and where we've been over time, what, is, what has been the most important breakthrough in the past, you know, five years? You said 30 years ago, we, haven't, we wouldn't even thought about this. But as we 
we deal with this type of technology, things seem to be speeding up around around this. So what's the biggest thing that has happened recently? Absolutely. So a lot of times the revolutions are very quiet. Uh, and that's also been the case in energy storage. Uh, you know, we had uh, a very big breakthrough about 25 years ago with lithium ion batteries, uh, which made their way into our consumer devices uh, and eventually into electric vehicles and are now making their way onto the grid. The big revolution we've seen in the last, uh, let's say about eight years, uh, especially since electric vehicles really started hitting the streets in, in large numbers, is that the cost of battery storage has come down substantially. And the effect has been very similar to the way that the cost of, say, you know, microprocessors has come down uh, substantially. Uh, the effect is that we start putting batteries everywhere. We start putting batteries on every device, even devices that you didn't think would need a battery before you start putting batteries on them. And so uh, just simply as soon as the cost comes down, it becomes a lot less expensive to do that. And that's also true on the grid. So as the battery costs become lower, it becomes more and more economical to make large scale batteries. I never would have thought five years ago that people would be talking about batteries, uh, the size at which that they are now. If you said five years ago, you know, what's the, what's the size of a battery? Maybe it's about enough as, as it would be the size of a uh, a wind turbine, you know, may, uh, generate as much electricity as a wind turbine. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, uh, we're now talking about batteries that are generating as much electricity as a uh, as a gas power plant uh, or even a coal power plant. And so you can think about batteries as uh, substitution for gas power plants or coal power plants. Naturally, the batteries don't actually generate electricity. Right. They're just shifting it in time. But by being able to shift that much energy in time, you're talking about uh, being able to replace those types of assets in uh, in the grid in, in the way that the grid is being operated. So you're saying there is incredible opportunity here. So what's the biggest barrier? Uh, costs down, the technology seems to be there. What's the biggest barrier getting more of this technology onto the grid? So the technology is still very new. And uh, although there's tremendous potential, uh, as you said, uh, there still needs to be a lot of work in actually addressing how we integrate these new technologies onto the grid. Uh, it's uh, There are still a lot of operational concerns. You know, how do we use these batteries? There are still a lot of things that we haven't figured out in terms of best practices in uh, how do we design and operate batteries, uh, how to make sure that we uh, maintain uh, safe and reliable operations at all times. Uh, I realize, for example, a lot of people have seen the films uh, on TV uh, or on YouTube of uh, you know batteries burning or or exploding, and of course there are always risks associated with every technology. But we have to make sure that we understand and manage those risks uh, in a reasonable way, and that always takes time. So it's it it uh, uh, it it pays to uh, take it slowly and and uh, to understand fully what's possible with these batteries and what we have to address in in terms of, uh, uh, of of risks and understanding what the capabilities of the technology are at any given time. So you were just saying there are a lot of different capabilities. We did talk about shifting the energy over time, turning on the lights when the sun is down with solar power, essentially. What other, um, what other types of uh, 
things can batteries do and energy storage more generally do mm-hmm. for the grid, uh, for reliability, for safety concerns, things like that? Sure. So, you know, energy storage has a lot of different applications. We talked about shifting in time, but that also means that you have it available as a backup uh, as possibility for, for backup energy when uh, you need it. So, for example, provided putting energy storage systems uh, at uh, individual buildings uh, can can back up the grid. Uh, those those batteries can uh, provide services to back to the grid to try to get the grid uh, back online if it goes offline. Uh, if if uh, uh, so, during outages, the batteries can actually help to um, start the grid back up. Uh, there are there are lots of different applications that we're looking at where batteries provide services back to the grid to help it operate more reliably uh, and reduce costs to consumers. That's uh, that's really I think that's an interesting point because a lot of the times when you're looking at how batteries are discussed in kind of the mainstream media and in, in how people are talking about them, kind of from a consumer point, it's all about keeping the lights on. But it's it's much more. Or, or keeping the lights on when the sun's not shining, the wind's not blowing. But it is much more than that. Um, there are examples of kind of moving past that in u- utility investment, talking about non-wires alternatives. And I think that really gets to the, to the core of that. But speaking of the batteries in the media, we always hear about lithium ion. And, and that's what you had talked about, how the price has gone down in that. Uh, but we've also been receiving questions here at EPRI about some other types of technologies. What else out there is exciting you in the energy storage space? There are lots of new technologies uh, being investigated for energy storage. Um, and it might take some time for some of those technologies to uh, to actually become mainstream. Uh, but we're looking at a lot of different things out there. I know there's a lot of interest in, in uh, uh, these uh, technologies called flow batteries, uh, which use liquids uh, rather than solid uh, elect- uh, electrodes. Uh, there are uh, ultracapacitors or supercapacitors, uh, which have uh, certain potential in certain, in, uh, certain applications. Uh, we've even seen some very impressive gravity-based uh, energy storage mechanisms where, for example, uh, companies are investigating the use of, of uh, trains or, or, or large concrete blocks to store energy effectively by lifting them up in the air and then lowering them uh, to regenerate the energy. Uh, it's it's uh, impressive to see. We'll see how well those things work over the next few years. But uh, what's important is that uh, governments and businesses and uh, investors are seeing a lot of potential in these technologies, and they're investing the uh, energy and the time uh, into research of those technologies to uh, make sure that we have uh, newer technologies available in the future. Newer and and somewhat older too. Looking at that, the uh, the gravity one that one's been around for a while. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. The first time first time I saw it, I said I called it a first century technology. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, but goes, but goes. you know, new applications of old of of uh, old concepts is very often what we're talking about when we look at technology, and ultimately this this is really about uh, you know making the world more livable. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, so, some of these things are are very simple concepts, but actually making them work, and and they do take some some modern technology. Techniques, modern control techniques to to uh, uh, become uh, to really come into fruition. So there's there's definitely value in investigating uh, these approaches. Yeah, I mean, going back, uh, looking like you said centuries ago, is uh, with pump storage. Uh, you know, you put water up at the top of the hill and run it back through the uh, through the dam when when you have a lot of energy or when you need more energy and pump it up when you have a lot of it. Uh, you know, 
might as well reinvent the wheel quite literally, right? Exactly. Yeah, so that's that's quite right. Excellent. So beyond kind of these, the new things, the exciting things, beyond software and hardware, what do we need to do uh, to develop uh, to make sure that energy storage does everything it needs to do, you know, beyond the just the time and space? What else? Mm -hmm. What else could it do? What else do we need to do? Where's it going? What's your research saying? Well, Don, we we, uh, definitely need more research. There's a lot more work uh, that needs to be done. But a lot of it is just simply experience. Uh, People uh, utilities and uh, storage companies and developers, renewable developers and and uh, other uh, stakeholders in this industry are very interested in deploying more systems and just understanding what they can take away from every system that's built out there. Uh, it's uh, very important for us to learn from those experiences. Uh, typically, when we install things, things don't always turn out the way that we expect, uh, as you know from any you know any experience you have with um, you know with, with just about anything out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn every time we do something, and so we're right now on a very steep learning curve with energy storage. Uh, we can expect that five years from now, we will know exactly what to do in a lot of different contexts. But today, we're still figuring that out. Uh, and so the most important thing is to share that information mm-hmm. uh, around the industry uh, and around the world uh, to make sure that we can build on what we know and build on the experiences uh, that are, uh, are being accumulated right now. So speaking on building on what we know, this seems like you can't just put a battery on on a house or somewhere near some generating station, you need to have things that connect it. Uh, smart inverters are a big part of that. Uh, can we talk just for a few minutes about how they're important, what they do, and and how they play into the energy storage space? Absolutely. So smart inverters are something that have come into play recently, especially with solar. Uh, and, and the purpose of smart inverters uh, is to give – uh, us more control over what individual systems are doing at any given point. So the smart inverters can actually um, be used to control the output of the solar to better match what's needed on the grid. Uh, older inverters were relatively simple in operation, and they were just they were grid connected only. Uh, so essentially, that they would just take solar power and put it on the grid, mm-hmm. uh, but they weren't uh, able to control that output. And with smart inverters, you can do quite a bit more. Uh, you can you can use them, for example, to uh, actually provide services back to the grid, uh, and they can be used to increase the amount of solar that's uh, actually uh, uh, out there. Uh, the same thing applies with with uh, batteries. When you have a smart inverter on a battery, uh, it actually, for, for one thing, you have to be able to convert the energy in the battery to uh, AC, since the battery actually just generates DC electricity. The inverter con- converts it into uh, DC, but then it also, um, I'm sorry, it converts the battery electricity from DC to AC, mm-hmm. but then it uh, also uh, allows the um, the battery to be controlled in a way that produces the maximum benefit, not just for the local consumer, but also for uh, the grid. Mm -hmm. So this is especially important for batteries that are located at the edge of the grid uh, for distributed energy resources, for example. Uh, It's very important right now when you put solar and storage together uh, so that the solar can charge the battery if the extra energy from solar is not used, so that the battery can then later on uh, be used to power the house or uh, the grid when uh, electricity is uh, not available from the sun. Well, so this that seems 
fairly complicated. I mean, it's obviously you can't just plug things in and they work. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, so, but the more that we talk about it, the more that you went into the inverters, the solar, the edge of the grid, all of these other things, it seems to me that we're talking about a kind of a portfolio of solutions. Distributed energy resources or DERs as, as they are, you know, commonly discussed is that the solution a, a portfolio approach is it is the sum much greater than its parts or is something the most important right we we really like to think that all of the components are important and that the sum is greater than the uh uh than the sum of the parts uh the the net effect is is going to be uh the ability to use a large portfolio of assets uh, across, you know, a geographical distribution uh, to be able to manage the grid, uh, you know, through basically orchestration of all of these different components. Naturally, uh, many of these assets are going to be owned by consumers. And mm -hmm. so that consumer comes first for that asset. They will have a certain amount of control uh, over their uh, over their asset to be able to make sure that they can uh, power their home in an effective way. Uh, but then also those those same systems can provide services back to the grid uh, for which the homeowner would be compensated. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, what we're looking at right now in terms of technologies is control systems that can orchestrate these very large numbers of systems to be able to provide services back to the grid. And so the effect is, uh, to make an analogy, uh, you know, something like an orchestra. You know, you have individual instruments playing, of course, music, but if we can put them together uh, to get a symphonic sound, uh, then that music is much greater than the sum of the individual parts. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're coming together as Mozart here at the Electric Power Research Institute, making the grid sing for all of us, I suppose. That's, uh, that's, the, that's the intent. <laughs> yes, uh, I think everybody would agree that that is exactly what we're doing here. <laughs> so um, getting back to the, the point here, uh, what comes next for energy storage? Where do we go from here? Is this is are we going to see the end of uh, traditional quote unquote traditional uh, utility services, or are batteries just one part of what's going to come next? Energy storage in general. We 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 definitely see this as an enhancement or an augmentation to what we've been doing with the grid uh, for the last hundred years. Uh, as you know, I mean the grid has been operating quite well uh, without uh, energy storage for, for 100 years, or with a relatively small amount of energy storage, I should say. Uh, as energy storage becomes uh, lower cost, uh, we can expect it to be become eventually become ubiquitous uh, on the grid. And that, um, uh, you know, that's going to, to enable us to be more reliable. It may cut costs in, in some places. Uh, it uh, will certainly give us the capability to do some things that we've never been able to do before. Uh, and with new technologies and uh, new types of products, uh, we don't, we'll only see what the future holds. Uh, batteries are an enabling technology, just as they have been for consumer electronics, uh, is really what we build on that platform uh, that I think will really amaze us. That really puts us forward looking. And I think that's an opportunity to ask you know everybody's favorite question, what do you think is going to come out of uh, the battery space that you wouldn't have thought of, say, last week or two weeks ago or five years ago that you now know today that you didn't know yesterday? What, what's coming for, for grid enhancement thanks to uh, energy storage? 
Uh, I think you know one of the one of the most exciting areas that uh, uh, I've seen really is you know some of these things with the Internet of Things. Uh, that's an area where five years ago we said, well, what does it really? How does it really help us to put an IP address on every appliance that you have? Mm-hmm. Uh, but today, you know, we're starting to see really what uh, what that does when you have. Uh, the ability to control just about everything in your environment and uh, be able to to, to uh, manage uh, your home in ways that you never could never thought of before. Uh, I think it's difficult for us to imagine a world like that, but I think if you look at the next generation, uh, it'll become quite natural for them uh, to have the house as a partner or you know as a as another member of the family mm-hmm. uh, rather than just as a place or you know a collection of things. Yeah, so my, my son won't be able to say the batteries aren't working, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's but right. We're going to have control over all of that. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, this was a great conversation. Uh, you can get more information online at Uh Thank you so much. And until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity. <laughs>